Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this fourth episode in Season 3 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guest on this episode includes singer-songwriter Carter Bryant. Going to be talking about his debut single, I'll Be Right Here, along with his upcoming music, tour dates, and more. We'll also visit with country singing legend T. Graham Brown. Got a new album, Bare Bones, that's available. We'll also talk about a new autobiography, a soul album with Sam Moore, Tanya Tucker, Winona, and more. And we'll also have our monthly visit with our good friend, Meathead Goldwyn. We'll talk corned beef, pastrami, plus we'll talk about his new rubs and sauces that are available now. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out the shop, and of course, share with your friends. Now, a recent poll asked people if they'd type faster on a computer keyboard or a phone, and 66% of people said they're faster on a computer, while 21% claimed their typing skills were better on a phone. Not surprisingly, the results were different based on age. For people age 50 and up, more than 70% said they type faster on a computer, less than 15% said they're faster on a phone. Now for Gen Z, age 18 to 25, 46% say they type faster on a phone, and 37% said computer keyboard. We've got a singer, songwriter, a veteran, a little bit of everything we're going to have a chance to delve into today. Carter Librand with us today. And and first off, Carter, Carter, I appreciate you taking the time, brother. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. So I think that worked out for both of us on that end. That works out all right. Now, Carter, tell us, when did when did you know that, uh, that, that music had something for you? Was it early in life or was it maybe a little later in life uh, for, for you to see that realization? Well, I mean, as far as, you know, I grew up, my family, I was I had a family band. My grandparents were in a band called the Country Drifters. And, you know, we would sit around and watch the Opry. And country music was just a big part of my life growing up. And uh, I always knew that, you know, I had a love for music. Um, and, and I guess it didn't really, it didn't really manifest as like, you know, maybe I should do something with this. Um, I, I uh, won a talent show um, overseas. I was in Kuwait on New Year's Day. We had just got out of Iraq and uh, got in there and I played and I won the thing and I didn't expect to. And everybody was just like, man, you know, you ought to, you ought to try and do something with this. And I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe they're right. So that's kind of, that's kind of what led me to, to think about, you know, at least it created the thought to go out and maybe try to make a living doing it. So now the new single that's out about now, I'll be right here. Where did, where did right. this one come from for you personally? Well, for me, you know, I was very opposed and, and I will say, I, you know, I, I wasn't a writer on this song and I was kind of opposed for a while to actually doing any, cause I wanted to do all my own stuff. And, and, uh, you know, my producer sat down and he was like, man, you know, he goes, I really think that we could do something with you and your story, you know, as far as this goes. Um, so, I mean, it really, I kind of fell in love with it. I was able to genuinely just kind of like put myself in those shoes and, and there's a place because for me, I'm a life writer and I like for things to be about life, uh, kind of like real life events, the things that right. I've been through. And when I listen to the song, I was like, you know, I could really connect to this. Uh, and, and that's that's where the song came from. And, and of course, the music video, um, if you have an opportunity, go over to YouTube, check that out. Um, it's about my story. Um, when I came home uh, from overseas, you know, I had I had some problems and some things I had to some demons I had to battle. And, and uh, you know like I was telling you earlier, you know, it's about being genuine for me and it's, 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 it's my story. And, and I was able to take that song and really 
make it personal. And, and that's one thing that I really have so far enjoyed about it. And uh, it's, it's really been a blessing to me. It really has. And Carter, whenever you, you think about it, your story, I mean, how hard is it sometimes to to put the thoughts, the feelings and all that into word to express what what you had to go through kind of reindoctrinating yourself as well into into everyday life right well you know for me uh the veteran community is near and dear to my heart it always will be uh we've lost you know several soldiers especially with this pandemic um it's been a lot harder for mental health you know when you get stuck and you're cooped up and you and you can't go anywhere a guy's turned to drinking or whatever and and it, it, it makes it really difficult and you know we saw a lot of that this year and that's in some of the the veteran programs that I've been through, you know, those are, those are some of the things like there are resources out there that are really good resources that a lot of people don't know about. Um, so I try to just, I want to bring awareness, you know, to, to mental health and veterans and first responders. I've, I've been a first responder and a veteran. I mean, um, you know, I've just, I've kind of done a little bit of everything I feel like <laughs> in life. And, you know, everyone's like, you know, Dude, what didn't you do? I'm like, well, I don't know, but I'm trying to figure that out too. So <laughs> trying to cut but, that list down, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, that's what that's what it's really, you know, really about for me too is is being able to to like I said when when somebody else can see somebody going through something or they see a story or they say, you know, what, okay, well maybe maybe I can get help or you know maybe I can move forward or maybe I can move on and and I just kind of want to be at the end of the day, when it comes to that, I want to be a light at the end of the tunnel and, and maybe not just necessarily for the veteran community, for anybody in general. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to, I'd like to make the world a better place. You know I mean? I know I can't, I can't save it, you know, but I can, I can try to do the best I can, I guess. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much where I guess where I'm coming from on that one. Now, what's it like whenever you got the first feedback on this, how, how hard is it to take feedback from from fans, from listeners, and and also from critics? I guess too, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know, someone's there. You know, there's an old saying about opinions. I can't say exactly what, but you know, what I'm saying. But um, yeah, you know, it's 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 been very interesting for me personally, and you know, it's kind of like I'm somewhere between Nashville and and somewhere between Texas or Oklahoma or Red Dirt or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. You know, I've kind of got a little bit of both um, when it when it comes down to it. But I've got, you know, a lot of people tell me I've got more of a traditional voice. Uh, I've had playlisters say, oh, you're too country for my country playlist. Um, that one really, you know, that one, <laughs> that one really gets me somehow. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's been very interesting to kind of see how everything plays out. Because, you know, this was my very first release. Um, and, you know. I'm not Luke Combs or Morgan Wallen or any of those guys, but you know, when, when I see, I got 200,000 streams on the song, I, I feel pretty good about myself. And, you know, cause I never, I never imagined that any of that would happen. And it's been really cool. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and you know, I've had people say all kinds of stuff, you know, mostly good. I've had a lot of good feedback every now and again, you get, you know, <laughs> you're not going to make everybody happy. Welcome to life. This right. is America. Like nobody, <laughs> you know, go, uh, I'm not living in a hole somewhere. So, you know, not everybody's going to like everything you do. And, uh, and that's okay. You know, um, that's fine. That's, that's the way that it is. At the end of the day, I get to pick a guitar up I get to go sing and play music and somehow or another I'm making a living. So, uh, 
you know, at the end of the day, that's uh, that's what matters. You're doing something right. That's what it says, right? right? <laughs> that's absolutely right. Now, how has the the South Carolina music scene? I mean, it that has been growing over the last decade or so. I, I mentioned right. before we came on several South Carolina buddies of mine as well. And w- what's that scene like? And and why is it all of a sudden seeing such a, an influx into the Nashville and into uh, to the country side of things as well? Well, you know, we've got we've got a good many country artists down here. We've got a ton of ton of great friends um, that I play with and or that I have played with and, and met. And, you know, it's there's there's not like a whole ton of places to play in South Carolina, but there's a there's a fair amount, you know, and I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Of course, when it comes to going to Nashville or, or any of that stuff, it's it's more about you know, you can, you can find a guitar player or you can find a bass player. You can find whatever you need, you know, for us, I'm very fortunate to have a group of guys that I have that, that, you know, we're all trying to do this full time and I'm doing it full time and, and, and the rest of them probably feel like they are, but we're trying to get to the point where everybody's playing, you know, we can hit the road and we can get the bus and we can do all that stuff. But, um, you know, I mean, the main thing is, 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 I mean, it's just easier to get stuff done you know, by going somewhere where music is, is kind of the forefront, you know, and, and uh, I think that's really what kind of why people move that way or move that direction and, and, and go that way. But, you know, it's, I mean, there's, especially around Myrtle beach, Myrtle beach, there's plenty of stuff to do uh, down at the beach, you know, it's a good little tourist spot. So um, it's uh, I mean, it's not a bad scene around here. It's just, it's like I said, it's easier to find musicians or, or other writers, you know, elsewhere. And that's just kind of, you know, just like anybody else, I'm assuming that's probably why anybody gravitates towards <laughs> that area. So, yes, sir. Now, how was how was it that you put the band together? How did you guys uh, kind of gel together? How did that whole thing form? Man, it's crazy, man. And it's, it's really cool, though, because my, my drummer, Steve, was like a rock drummer, right? And he played in a band back in the 90s, and like traveled the world. I mean, he played with like Motley Crue and wow. Dave Matthews and Hootie and the Blowfish and He's got like all this experience. Uh, he's also a Marine Corps veteran, so that's also really cool. Um, I met him, and we've been playing together for about two years now. Our bass player Franco is an 82nd Airborne guy, wow. um, so he's a, he's an Army guy also, which was really cool. He he uh, he was a truck driver for the 82nd and and jumped out of airplanes. And I told him he can have all that he wants. I like <laughs> uh, you know I like staying in perfectly good airplanes, but. Uh, you know, so that's that's a real cool factor, and uh, we were kind of we we have a lead guitar guy that plays with us occasionally. It just depends on what the situation is, but you know, it's kind of like one of those things where you just kind of sometimes you know bands are like bad relationships, and they're very difficult to <laughs> you know hold together. But for the most part, I mean, we we got a great chemistry. We really enjoy each other as individuals. And, uh, you know, we're having fun. That's, that's the, the main thing for me is I, I believe you can have fun. It, it doesn't have to be such a job or so difficult. Uh, you know, a lot of people make it harder than it has to be. And, you know, I, I know as far as those guys go, they've got a lot of experience in the music industry. Uh, they take it very seriously. I take it very seriously. But at the end of the day, we also like, well, Hey dude, let's, let's have fun. If, if, if maybe someone, plays the wrong note here, there, whatever, you know, it's going to happen. And, and part of overcoming adversity is being able to adjust to those situations. And, and we handle that 
really well. You know, I, I really think we do. So it's just, uh, we got the right mindset. We've just got the right, right idea. And, and because of that, I think we really just, we've been pretty successful so far. Now you talked about this being your first release out there. And now that you've got this one out there and, and you've kind of, uh, seen how it, uh, moves along, how does this right. uh, prepare you for future releases and, and getting out there and hitting the road? I mean, how does, how does all this work together helping you out? Well, you know, it's, uh, the streams definitely help when it comes to booking shows, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> people are listening to my music. So, you know, it's, I mean, in, in, in the position I'm in right now, I've, 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 uh, I've got a lady that does help me with some booking, but for the most part, I do a, a vast majority of it. So, um, I don't know if you ever seen the movie semi pro with Will Ferrell, but like I'm the player, the owner and the coach kind of deal. Yes. Um, uh, that's, that's kind of how it works out. So, uh, but you know, it's a lot of fun for me cause I'm also a business owner and you know, like, um, like I actually just put myself on a W2 payroll and I got a, all that I've done all the business stuff and, you know, I'm working on those things too. Cause you know, I'm, I've, I've, I worked in sales. There's another thing I did for about five <laughs> years before I started doing this and, and I really gained the business sense. So I've had some life experience that's really helped me as far as getting to the point that I'm at now. You know, if I wouldn't have been through those different situations, um, I wouldn't be where I am, you know. And so I understand the, uh, the business side of things. I understand the sales aspect. Um, and I understand talking to people and dealing with different individuals. Uh, law enforcement helped with that. Um, so <laughs> see, there's another thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I just... I've gained a lot of valuable skills and, and, and whatnot. And so I'm, I'm out here, I'm sending emails, I'm making phone calls. You know, it's, uh, I wake up, you know, five thirty six o'clock in the morning and, you know, I, I grab my cup of coffee or, and then I take my kids to school and I come back home and it's like, boom, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm getting after it and I'm working and, and, uh, you know, my brain just keeps ticking until I go to sleep. So it's, uh, eat, breathe and, you know what music so that's uh <laughs> that's pretty much how it goes now how has uh how has it been getting out on the road seeing the folks face to face what was it like the first time you got up uh after the release i mean what was it like uh seeing some folks reacting to the song well i mean it was you know i called my producer ryan and i was like ryan i said we had like 1200 streams on the day and he was like man, you did a really good job with the pre-saves. And I was like, huh, I guess I did. You know, I mean, it was, uh, it was crazy. And then I saw that, uh, Spotify had put me on that editorial playlist for Texas music, you know, and, and that's kind of how I, you know, I, I really, when he asked me, he's like, well, what do you, what, what, how do you want this to sound? I said, man, I just love steel guitar. I love the Texas sound. You know, it's, it's really, you know, I want to be, I want the steel guitar and, and all those traditional aspects, but maybe, maybe a little bit newer in a sense, you know, and, and I feel like we just nailed it right on the head and, and apparently they did too. And, you know, I hit that list and, and here's this guy from South Carolina on the, on the Texas station, um, which was really cool. And, and I've always wanted to, to get out that way just cause I, you know, I just enjoy like John Wolf and, and Randall King and, and yeah. some of these other guys that I really have been listening to forever. I was like, you know, that's, I just love it, you know, and even the co-wetzels of the world and, and, uh, and those guys, I mean, I can just name them, name them for days. My buddy, Joey Greer and, and my buddy, Cody Hibbard, they're both, I'm a fan. I, I love them as people and it's fun writing and getting, getting to talk with them. But, but also, you know, like listening to their music, like I'm, I'm a fan uh, of their music. So, 
it's just really cool to to be in that same category at the end of the day. But it just it really has blown my mind, kind of how everything's worked out. And, <laughs> um, and I got to you know I played a show with John Wolf a couple uh, couple month month and a half ago or so out in Cedar Park and in Texas, and and that was cool. And we're trying to we're trying to get to Oklahoma and Arkansas and all those other good places too. So that's uh, really looking looking forward to to what's coming our way for sure. Now, how was a, was a South Carolina boy? How were you turned on to the Texas country scene? How, how did that get into your, uh, into your headspace, if you will? Well, you know, that's the great thing about being a musician and that's the great thing about streaming services. At the end of the day, I know a lot of people get upset about them, but you know, that's how you discover the type of music that you you really like. And, you know, for me, I can't, I think it was, uh, it was a Randy Rogers tune I'd heard or something. And I was like, huh, I kind of like that. And then, then I heard some turnpike troubadours and I was like, man, really, that's really cool. You know? And, and I just got, it was just like a, I went down this rabbit hole, you know, like TikTok, <laughs> you know, you start watching videos. Next thing you know, 10 hours later, you know, you're like, man, I need to get up. But, um, you know, it just kind of just rolled into one or another, and that's practically all I listen to anymore. You know, I mean, I just and and you know, you see some independent folks too, which is cool. Um, you know, it's it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, and if you don't love it, I I, I don't know how you do it, to be honest with you. Um, but it's just that's kind of how I got involved. I was like, you know what? Yep, that's what I like. You know, and, and it kind of just matched up to you know, what kind of artist do I want to be? And, and, and those are questions that you ask yourself that are very hard. to They seem like easy questions, but it's really difficult, <laughs> you know, because you got to think about, you know, how, how do you want to move forward in your career? It, it dictates what kind of music you put out or when you put it out or how you put it out or what you do. I mean, there's just, there's so many different factors um, that, that a lot of people won't consider, but, but yeah, that's, that's just basically, you know, it was like a, like a rabbit hole just, I would listen to one and then I'd hear another one. And then next thing you know, I've now I've got everybody in my playlist. So now who's, who's the writer, the songwriter that inspires you today? Who's, who's the one oh, that, uh, the, that you get inspiration from? Oh man. Like I know so many songwriters, um, man, it's hard to narrow down just one of them. You know, and that's the thing is like I've been in a situation where I've met so many, so many talented guys. I mean, it's it's kind of kind of wild. Um, but I mean, of course, I draw inspiration from my own ideas and things like that. I'm trying to think of just one in, in specific. Um, you know, one of my buddies that I write with uh, in Nashville, um, he's kind of maybe in a sense been, you know, one of my biggest influences as far as what where I've done today, but. Uh, his name is Joey Hollis, and uh, Joey's got a got a ton of great ideas. And he's written, you know, some ridiculous amount of songs over the the past couple years. So uh, I think he's been uh, he's been up in Nashville for for a good while now. Um, he came up there with like Ray Fulcher and, and Cole Swindle, and and uh, Ray's actually uh, Ray was one. Of, Ray and Joey were both writers on "I'll Be Right Here." Um, it was Ray Fulcher, Joey Hollis, Aaron Ashley, and, and Davis Branch. Make sure I get that out there. Make sure I include everybody on that. And um, but uh, but yeah, I, met, I actually you know I ended up meeting Joey, um, talking to him after I, I recorded this song, and we've really built a great relationship. And, and he's a he's a very good friend of mine. 
and a uh, great, great songwriter. And uh, Ray, Ray's done pretty good too. You know, he's uh, wrote a couple of them Luke Combs songs, and, <laughs> and, and that whatnot, helps, so. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ray, Ray, Ray kind of knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Now, now, Carter, if if folks want to find out more about the single, about your upcoming uh, tour dates, upcoming releases, social media, and all that. Where's the best place for, for our listeners to keep up with you, brother? Well, I mean, you can, of course, you can find me on all your social media uh, space or pages, you know, like MySpace and all that good stuff. But uh, <laughs> you can also go to www.carterlibrandcountry.com, and it's got pretty much every bit of information that you need to know on there, streaming sources. Uh, of course, we're on Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. So, um, Or you can just Google, Google the name, and, and I'll pop up. It's a good thing about having a not so familiar name i guess you're at the top of the list so. <laughs> there you go well carter it has been great to have the chance to to get to know you a little bit today i, I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule and brother hopefully we can catch you up again real soon yes sir that's that's the goal i think we can all agree that a few good things came out of the pandemic not many but there were silver linings Researchers in the UK have put out a new study where they found that one in three young people between the ages of 8 and 18 say they were happier during the lockdown. Now, these are mostly kids that are under a lot of stress in normal life, so the quarantines and remote learning meant they avoided bullying, felt less lonely, got more sleep and exercise, enriched relationships with family and friends, and their mental health improved while staying at home. This probably doesn't include many kids that thrive in social settings and in group activities like sports, but one in three, that's a huge chunk. Of course, this doesn't mean that we're going back to lockdowns to save the children, but it could provide some insight into how we can give kids a break from the stress they experience and help them find more balance. Always great to have friends back on the show and We've got uh, the one and only T. Graham Brown with us today. And T, always good to see you and uh, appreciate you taking the time, brother. Oh, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. Now, good to see you too, Cameron. You're looking good, man. I, I've lost a little weight since last time we talked. So uh, so, so life, is, uh, life is, well, it's trying to do, do us well, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> now, T, you've got, uh, you mentioned before we came on, uh, you've been staying pretty busy today. And uh, you've got all kinds of projects that are already in the works. And what's it like to have uh, so many irons in the fire right now, if you will? It's fun. I'm uh, just having the time of my life, actually. I'm having more fun I've ever had before getting to do all this stuff. You know, I'm 67 years old and the pressure's off. I'm not out there chasing a hit and... Things are kind of relaxed, you know. We're out, we're still out there doing shows, you know. I got a band and a bus and all that hillbilly stuff. Probably do about eighty shows this year, but we pretty much Sheila and I've been together forty three years, so we pretty much do what we feel like doing. You know, if a show comes in, we want to do it. We'll take it. If not, we'll pass on it. I can do the kind of projects I like. Been uh, down in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, cutting a soul tribute album bunch of old 60 soul songs and um you know i got my show on sirius xm radio that i enjoy doing i can do it here from the house it's not hard 
and I get in a movie every now and then and just have fun. You know, I got the greatest <laughs> job in the world, man. I get to make people happy for a living. So I really am having fun. And T, in the times that we live in, to what just to what you said right there, letting people have fun, making a smile, making them smile, making them happy. I mean, at the end of the day, how rewarding is that for you personally? Well, I think that's what it's all about, you know. I think that's what life's all about. Sheila and I just try to do what we think God wants us to do and and get out put out positive vibrations and you know, that usually works. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm like you, man. People are ready to smile, and I'm glad to help make them smile. Now, tell us about uh, the new album, Bare Bones. Tell us where the idea for this came and uh, and how excited you are with that final product as well. Well, Sheila's been after me to do that forever, Cameron, and it was so easy. I should have done it a long time, you know. It took me a couple of days, you know, I've sung those hits thousands of times. So it was really easy for me. Just me and an acoustic guitar. And then we put background vocals on it. And it's just a different listening experience, you know, than a, a studio, full studio album is. I think um, the lyrics more present, the vocals more present, you know, and that's what I, when I listen to acoustic records that's that's what i take away from it you know you can it's just a different listening experience now what's what's the recording process like as opposed to uh to, to other times is it also kind of stripped down as well the the recording process yeah it's man i'm telling you it is very simple and very easy um it's nothing to it i mean like i said it's just a guitar and me and uh, then we put some background vocals on it. It's it's, it's very simple. And uh, Sheila, Sheila apparently she knew what she was talking about, huh? She always knows what she's talking. <laughs> about. Uh, she's great man. Uh, yeah, she knows what she's talking about. And like I said, I should have done it a long time ago. I don't know why I put it off. You know, it 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 just wasn't on my mind i think and then she reminded me hey we need to go do this and so i just jumped in there and did it like i said it was really really easy and we we talked to uh to dallas wayne a couple of days ago as well and uh, one of the things i asked him is is did the 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 radio thing the the xm series thing did that help keep a little bit of normalcy in your life over the last couple of years did that kind of help keep you keep you going and trying to keep whatever normal you could well, you know, Dallas does one, I think, uh, by the way, I love Dallas. Um, I think he has like a show every day that he does. Uh, my show uh, is called Live Wire, and I play live cuts from artists' live albums, but I only do one a month, and they air it eight times during the month. So I have, uh, I pick six artists that I like, and I search out live albums from each artist. And some sometimes artists will have more than one live album. So I'll try to find the one with the, you know, most excitement to it or maybe the best vocals on it or the best sound on it, you know. And I do that. And then I always have one friend of mine that I'll 
uh, interview, and I generally ask people, you know, what was your favorite live album of all time? And, you know, what maybe ask them if they remember their favorite show in their career or something that maybe the first show they ever saw that really made them want to be in the music business. And then I'll throw a, an artist in there like, uh, well, this month I got uh, uh, Richard Young of the Kentucky Headhunters mm-hmm. is, is the guy I'm talking to. And I've got, uh, I think, Don Williams and just a bunch of country artists. And then I, I picked a couple of songs from America, the band America. And I might throw in Bob Seger or Greg Allman or... Steve Miller or uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive or whatever it is I'm wanting to, to hear that or create it, something that might conceivably have been country, you know, if it had come out today, maybe. You know, there's a lot of that old classic rock that probably would have passed as country these days, you know. There's they, a lot of it. <laughs> the Eagles would have probably been a country band and uh, – the Doobie Brothers, I play them, and it just depends. Whatever strikes me. Now, what is it about the the live recordings that that really jump out to you personally? What is it about the the live versions? I personally, I've just uh, try to put myself at the the place that the concerts happen in. Uh, I always tell the people like, hey, this was recorded at Wolf Trap on January the 6th, 1972 or whatever it is, you know, and and I do that six different times during the show. So it's kind of like going from concert to concert and, you know, it might be live at Billy Bob's or it can be anywhere, you know, and. And that's something I've always liked. I kind of let my imagination take me to the place. And, you know, just to make, like if you're riding down the road in your car and listening to it, you can kind of use your imagination to say, man, I wonder what it was like that night there. Or, you know. Now, for you, when you hear live recordings from, from your time uh, out on the road, do, do they take you back? Do they take you back to that time whenever you hear those? Can you can you almost smell the room, if you will? Yeah, that's a good way to put it, man. Uh, it, it does. And, you know, I've got a couple of live albums. I don't really sit around listening to myself, but <laughs> sometimes I'll hear something on the radio. They'll play a cut off of it, or and I'll remember, you know, where I was. And we got a great live album live at Billy Bob's, and I can remember that night. So, yeah, it'll take me, take me back, but. It's like, uh, you know, it was funny you said that you could, you know, ask me if I could smell the room, but it, it smells, you know, how smells can trigger oh, yeah. uh, memories too, you know. So music um, music can really trigger memories, especially if you're listening to uh, stuff that you grew up with or that you were in high school when it came out or you know, in your formative years, that that's what'll take me back. That's one of the reasons I really like listening to classic rock and classic country is I can go back and remember what it was like listening to it on a, a transistor radio in my bed, <laughs> you know, listening to AM and scrolling through the AM dial 
at night really slowly and you you'll hit those clear channel stations you know you might hit WLAC out of Nashville when, when they were playing blues and or you might hit a pop station I used to always listen to this station in Fort Wayne called WOWO would come in and it would be a pop station or you might get Shreveport and and here's some hillbilly music. So I listened to a little bit of everything growing up. Now for you, the, the soul album you mentioned, I, I know that you, you get to work with, uh, with, with Sam Moore, Tanya Tucker, Winona, and more to come. And this one coming out in the fall. And you talk about this, taking you back to your roots as well. I mean, how much pride on an album with Sam Moore as well, side by side. How cool is that? Man, it's real cool. Are you kidding me? The, <laughs> the album's going to be called From Memphis to Muscle Shoals. So we cut it at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, but we cut um, about half of it are, is songs that were cut in Memphis, um, that old stack stuff. Or I cut an Al Green song. He's from Memphis and um, cut some stuff. About half of it was cut in muscles. The original hits were cut in muscles. You know, Percy Sledge. And mm-hmm. I got um, I got Sam Moore singing. I went down to Miami and recorded him at a place called Criteria Studios down there. And um, we cut a, a track. He didn't want to sing Soul Man. He wanted to sing something different. So we cut <laughs> uh, this old song called Who's Making Love. And it's a rocking old soul song. So he's singing on it. Eddie Floyd, the guy that had the original Knock on Wood and that wrote Knock on Wood, has already done his. his. And um, there's a guy named Little Anthony from Little Anthony and the Imperials. I'm going down to Florida and get him on Tuesday. I went out to Texas to, to Tanya Tucker's ranch, and we cut her in her living room. She's singing great. And Dwight Yoakam's doing it. And, uh, Winona's doing it. Sammy Hagar's already put his part on in California. Um, I was talking to Tritt's manager a while ago. I'm hoping Travis will sing Soul Man with me. I cut wow. Soul Man. Um, I'm hoping to get Hank Jr. on there. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Tops told me a couple of times he wants to do it. So it's turning into a pretty cool deal. I talked to Gladys Knight, and I'm hoping she'll do it. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out, but we've got some good guests on. So for, for you to be able to, to, to put those names down on paper and say that they're with you on this album, they see that vision as well. I mean, what does that say for you and, and, and the roads that you've walked and traveled over the, the expanse of your career so far? Well, I've had a wonderful career, man. And um, I never was the biggest star in the world. I had a pretty good run at, at country radio you know in the 80s and 90s and uh i've just accumulated a lot of friends over the years it's a wonderful feeling to be able to pick up the telephone and call somebody and ask them to help you out and them say yes you know i mean i've had i did a gospel album a couple of years ago and i got leon russell on it it was his last <laughs> thing he ever did vince gill sang a duet with me, a, bu- a bunch of Southern gospel people. So I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky and happy, man. I'm 67 years old, and, and we're just doing what we want to do. You know, Sheila and I are very happy, and um, we, we're just tickled to be able to 
have fun. I, I'm having more fun now than I've ever had. So something it, to be it, said it, about that. It's a joy, man. It's like I was talking to Dwight Yoakam on the phone, and I was telling him about it, and he said, uh, uh, did you cut uh, 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 a Mel and Tim song? And I said, yeah. And he, he said, well, I want to sing on it. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was some people wanted, you know, told me. I didn't even have to ask them. They said, man, let me sing on that. So, yeah, it's it's. It's turning out great. It's just a throwback. We cut it just like the original tracks were cut. We didn't change the arrangement or fancy it up, anything. It sounds old school, man. When you listen to the tracks, they sound like they were cut in the 60s. That's cool. And again, uh, that set to come out uh, in the fall. Look forward to that. And, of course, you're still touring, uh, making music. Uh, got uh, the Bare Bones is available in T. I always want to make sure and let our listeners know if they want to keep up with the upcoming albums, the tour dates, all that, where's the best place for our listeners to catch up with you, brother? Well, you can go to tgrambrown.com and get our schedule. And, you know, if you want to get CDs or anything like that or stuff with my name on it, you can go there. <laughs> and then we got a cool Facebook page that we have a, a buddy of mine that helps us keep up. We try to put stuff up, new stuff every day or two and um we got like everybody else we got instagram and twitter we even rocking with the kids on tiktok man oh wow we're just trying to stay relevant you know trying to keep we got the best fans in the world man they've stuck by me and i've i've seen a resurgence it seems like uh in 80s country we see we see young faces out there which is really cool and we're like I said, man. We're having the time of our lives. Uh, it's t- I'm having way more fun than I had when I was having hits because I was <laughs> gone so much, and and it was it was just a whirlwind. We did an autobiography. This company called me up, and wanted me to do an autobiography, and it was great to have Sheila because her memory's so good. And mine is terrible. And <laughs> and we sat down and she reminded me of stories and places we'd been and and things that I had totally forgotten about. So, you know, that was really cool too. And I've I've had, like I said, man, I've had a wonderful career and I'm so thankful for it. You know, I got to work with I came along at a great time, man, because I got to work with all my heroes and meet them and tour with them, all, all the one-name people like Willie and Waylon and Merle and George and Tammy and Conway and Loretta and Kenny and Dolly and all those people that a lot of them aren't around anymore. And uh, I, I was just so blessed to be right there in the middle of all that stuff. That is right. And uh, like you said, uh, we didn't even mention the autobiography before that. Uh, summer looking for that to come out in the summer that's what they're telling me yeah (laughs) again you can check out everything uh, on his website tgrahambrown.com find him on all the socials even tiktok he's he's doing better than i am there so there you go (laughs) brother i appreciate you talking to me well t it's always a privilege and uh, i i was one of those i was coming into my formative years of music and country music when you were making that charge up there tell it like i used to be still one of my all-time favorite songs so uh oh, it's 
it, it's always a privilege to visit with you. I, I'm proud to uh, to consider you a friend of the show, and uh, hopefully, brother, we'll catch up again real soon. Anytime you need me, man. God bless you, Cameron. God bless your listeners, and God bless the United States of America, pal. Have the things that annoy us about the office changed in the last two years? Because I don't think all of these would have made the top 10 pre-pandemic. A new survey asked people to name the most annoying things that happen at the office, and here's what people said. Number one, co-workers talking too loudly while you're trying to work. Number two, people who cough or sneeze without covering their mouth. Number three, co-workers who come into work even though they're sick. Number four, slow computers. Number five, IT issues. Number six, smelly bathrooms. Number seven, people who leave dirty dishes in the work sink. Number eight, when you're in the bathroom and realize someone didn't wash their hands. Number nine, gross toilet seats or toilet bowls. And number 10, when your computer keeps crashing. Now, a few more that made the top 20 include close talkers, printer issues, brown nosers, smelly lunches, and people who call in sick when you know they're not really sick. It has been a minute since we've had the chance to talk with our, our good friend, and uh, he is by far the uh, the most podcasted on our show. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn <laughs> with us today, and Meathead, always great to see you, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about some grilling, brother. Yeah, good talking to you, too. It's, uh, it's a little cold and nasty up where I am in uh, the Chicago area, but uh, it hasn't stopped me from uh, firing up the grills and the smokers. Uh, now, now, Meathead, we, we always kind of talk uh, seasonally about uh, each month about different things that uh, that, that folks are going to be able to cook. And I know we've got St. Patrick's Day coming up uh, pretty soon. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to believe how fast the year's already going for us. But uh, corned beef, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about corned beef and also pastrami. And uh, first off, is there a, a right and wrong way to do corned beef? Well, you know, I don't, I don't like the terms wrong because I like to say there should be no rules in the kitchen or the bedroom. Um, but, uh, uh, there's a better way to cook corned beef than most everybody does it. And I think, uh, if you, if you listen carefully here, um, I can teach you how to make the best corned beef and cabbage that you've ever made. Um, you know, it's a really interesting, historically, it's interesting. Um, it's associated with St. Patrick's day, but traditionally in Ireland, um, they didn't make corned beef. They made corned pork. Uh, beef was a bit of a rarity and a delicacy over there. Pork was quite common. Um, and the term corned has nothing to do with corn itself. Corning is a um, somewhat archaic term for curing, which is another word for um, treating meat with salt heavily uh, to preserve it. Uh, and it comes goes way back to before refrigeration was common. Um, you slaughtered a steer or a pig, and you had to preserve that meat all through. And, and you know, pig, pig, pig killing time was usually late in the fall so that you had the cold weather. You could store it in the barn or in your root cellar, and it was relatively cold. But they almost always treated it with salt. And, and what salt does is it pulls moisture out of the meat which makes it inhospitable for bacteria 
Um, and uh, it, it, it also um, uh, helps change the protein structures. Um, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a technique. Now, uh, corning nowadays involves a different type of salt. They use a salt that's called pink salt, and it has a preservative in it called sodium nitrite. And sodium nitrite is what turns bacon pink and hot dogs pink and corned beef pink, it's a preservative, um, and uh, uh, it's quite common, and there are a lot of people who think it causes cancer, but there's been a lot of conflicting research on this, and I'm not a uh, doctor or a scientist, but I've read enough to make me think that it, that it may be getting falsely accused, but we don't eat that, we, I mean, hopefully we don't eat hot dogs every day, and we don't eat corned <laughs> beef every day, um, you know, I mean, uh, one thing, again, I, I don't like talking about health because I'm not a doctor, but one thing always to keep in mind when you're thinking about whether something is healthy and what you should eat or not is um, you, if you live to 80, which is, you know, what most of us are going to make it to, um, you're going to eat 80,000 meals, uh, three meals a day, 365, 80,000 meals. You can have a hot dog every now and then <laughs> you can have pastrami every now and then you can have Cheetos every now and then, you know, if, it, they're not going to kill you. Um, so uh, corned beef has this preservative sodium nitrite turns it pink um, and it's got a lot of salt in it. And um, uh, the, one of the first things you want to do is when it comes time to cook it, you want to get as much of the fat off of it because there's a lot of fat on and around it. You want to trim as much of the fat off of it. You want to rinse it. You don't need to use the spices and herbs that come with it because they really can't penetrate the meat. Um, and that's an affectation. Um, but you don't want to boil it. You want to put it in a big pot with lots of water and you want to submerge it as best you can. And if you have to put a plate on top of it or something to keep it submerged, do that. But you want to weight it down so it's under the water and simmer it, which means 180 to 190 degrees. Boiling's 212. Um, so you want to keep it a little tiny bubbles, but you don't want a big rolling bubble because high temperatures contract muscle fibers and it'll shrink up and it'll get really tough. So you want to keep the temperature low. And this is key. You want to change the water every hour and you're going to boil it for three or four hours. And if you have a good digital meat thermometer, you want to get the temperature up to about 205 inside the meat. And that'll take a couple hours. Um, so you got to change the water. And when you do, you'll notice the water is a, a little foamy and pink. And that's, a, that's the, the um, salt coming out. Mm -hmm. And if you get some of that salt out, not all of it, you'll never get all of it out. And you don't want it all out because that really amplifies flavor. But you'll get the excess salt out, and it really makes a difference. The other thing is, is if you're putting potatoes and carrots and, and, and cabbage in there, you don't put them in at the beginning. Um, they just disintegrate. So you wait till the last hour to put the potatoes and the carrots in there. They're fairly tough, and they'll need at least an hour. And then the cabbage doesn't go in until the last 30 minutes because it can really get mushy and disintegrate. Um, so if you change the water a couple of times, keep the temperature down, don't put the carrots in until the last hour and the cabbage 
um, uh, the last 30 minutes, you're going to end up with just a really good corned beef and cabbage that's not too salty, that's cooked properly, that's not too tough, and all and the vegetables, the potatoes, the carrots, and the uh, cabbage are just delicious. Now, you talked about changing the water each hour. Do you need to watch the temperature of the water you're putting back in? Do you need to be mindful of that? Well, you know, if you put cold water back in and it's going to take time to bring it up to temp, it won't affect the quality of the food. But, yeah, I would start with hot water. I get it, you know, as hot as your sink can get. Um, and Or if you want to start a pot simmering on the side, that might be ideal. But it'll get back up to a simmer fairly quickly. And just keep it down around the simmer. That's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> I, I asked because I was like, well, I wanted to know myself. So <laughs> now, after- but it's a great tradition. Yeah. And, 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 and now here, here's a thought. If you want to go to the next level, corned beef is step one in making pastrami. And to make pastrami, all you need to do is take your corned beef Soak it in water for a few hours to pull some of the uh, salt out. In the, you just stick it in the fridge. You don't have to simmer it. Just stick it in the fridge in a pot of water and pull some of the salt out. Overnight, maybe change the water a couple of times. You'll notice the water gets pink. Um, then you take it and you sprinkle a, a, a spice rub on there. And I have the recipe for the classic pastrami rub on AmazingRibs.com. And it's heavy in black pepper and uh, coriander and it's got a little mustard powder and onion and garlic and a few other things. It's not hard. Everything You should have everything you need in your pantry now, and if not, it, you'll find it at the grocery. And you cover it fairly heavily with this pastrami rub, and then you either grill it at a low temperature or if you have a smoker, or you can set up your grill so it can smoke, you smoke it, and you smoke it. Um, for a couple of hours until you get a really nice dark bark on it. Then you wrap it in aluminum foil and you can bring it in now and pop it in the oven. And then you continue to heat it at a fairly low temperature until it comes up to about 205 internal temperature on the meat. And it's really tender. It goes wobble, wobble, wobble when you poke it. <laughs> and um, it is just, I think it's the ultimate um, uh, the ultimate version of um, uh, brisket. And that's what corned beef is normally made from is brisket. And I know anybody who's a barbecue aficionado out there in Oklahoma, Texas, brisket is king. <laughs> but I got to tell you, in my world, pastrami is the ultimate brisket. And this technique, uh, and I, I describe it in more detail on AmazingRibs.com, but it's really simple. Just soak the corned beef, pull out a little extra salt, make the rub, um, uh, smoke it at a low temp, uh, wrap it in foil, bring it up to 205, and it is just bloody awesome. Now, you talked about uh, the salt that's in the uh, in the corned beef and in, in the pastrami as well, and I know we've talked a little bit about salt before, but in seasoning, I know salt is a staple. Do you put it on? Uh, do you put it on while you're cooking every time you cook? Salt, salt is, and, and I know a lot of people think salt is dangerous. And again, I you know I keep we keep skirting these health issues that I try to avoid. <laughs> but your body needs salt. Your body requires salt. 
your nervous system operates on salt. Um, all your f- bodily fluids, your saliva, your blood, your tears, semen, they're all salty. Um, and you don't, you don't manufacture salt in your body. You only get salt by consuming it. Um, so you must eat salt. Now, the question is, is how much is too much? And uh, a lot of doctors ask patients, specifically heart patients, to watch their salt intake. And again, there's more research now that says that, you know, maybe we're a little too nervous about salt. You listen to your doctor, not me. But um, um, salt really is an important ingredient in almost all cooking. One of the things that salt does is it amplifies flavor. It turns the dial up to 11. Um, it's, uh, and it, it also helps hold on to moisture. Um, it helps the proteins in the meat retain their moisture. The key is, is not to get too heavy on it. And the problem that we have with it is if you're one of these people who's too busy to cook and you eat out a lot, then you're probably at risk of getting too much salt in your diet because restaurants, particularly fast food restaurants, know they can amplify flavor with salt and they heavily salt things. So if, they, if, you, if, if you look at the measurements of sodium in things like chicken nuggets, um, french fries, um, a pretty good dose there. So, but if you cook for yourself, you can regulate the amount of salt and you can keep it down. But in things like um, corned beef and any preserved meats like corned beef, bacon, uh, pastrami, um, Canadian bacon, ham, um, they're all preserved with salt and they're loaded with it. And it really is a good technique to soak it, to pull some of the excess out. It's, e- it's easier on the palate. I mean, you eat too much of a, of a cured <laughs> ham and you're drinking a gallon of water right. before bed and then you're up at two in the morning <laughs> and then you're up at three in the morning. <laughs> so get, a, get some of that salt out. Now, whenever you're getting ready to, to, to say marinade or get the, the meat ready for uh, to cook, to put the, uh, the seasonings on there as well, do you put salt on then or do you wait Till later, does it does it dry it out? Uh, is one of those things I've been. That's asked. a really good question. Um, salt is unique in your spice cabinet. It's two atoms, and we've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating because a lot of people um, don't know about this. It's just sodium and chloride, two atoms, and when they get wet, and meat is seventy five percent water. Mm-hmm. When they get wet on the surface of meat, they get an electrical charge. It's called ionization. And they can penetrate deep into meat. And that's where they do their magic on the proteins. And they help the proteins denature and hold on to moisture. And they also amplify flavor without altering it. Um, Garlic and black pepper amplify but alter the flavor. They change it. Uh, um, But those things, they're too large a molecule to penetrate. They can get into the little tiny cracks and crevices and pores on the surface. But they can't go more than, say, a sixteenth of an inch into those cracks and crevices. Sugar, for example, is 23 atoms. Salt is just two. So, I mean, and that's a very basic form of sugar is 23 atoms. So it just can't penetrate deep. And you think about that. You you, you get your um, uh, Thanksgiving turkey or a, a chicken breast that you marinate overnight. And the flavor is strong on the surface. But if you taste the center of it, 
that flavor is not in the center. Right. It's not there unless you've pushed it in there with your knife or you've mopped it around on your plate. If you take a turkey breast or a chicken breast and you marinate it overnight in the strongest flavorings you can think of, um, and you cook it up and then you take a core sample, you're not going to taste anything in there except turkey or chicken because it's the seasonings just can't get in. So salt is a really important ingredient. And if you ever watch these cooking shows on TV, they often, they often criticize the competitors uh, that you've under seasoned it, <laughs> which is, which is chef talk for you didn't use enough salt. They talk about seasoning. we when we talk about seasoning, we're talking about all kinds of spices and herbs. They're talking about salt. Speaking of seasonings and, and rubs and all that, I know that uh, your rubs and seasoning and and also the barbecue sauce is available now. And tell us uh, what it's like to get the feedback since it's uh, been available to the general public. Uh, well, we just, you know, I, I've been hanging around the barbecue world a long time. And uh, I have never made commercial rubs and sauces because we give recipes for them on AmazingRibs.com. But a lot of people say, I just don't have the time. I'm too lazy. I make up a whole batch of a rub and it sits around for a year and, and, and spices and herbs lose their oomph after months. Why don't you bottle this stuff? And I, I have never done it because I just did, you know, any good barbecue joint has a good barbecue sauce and they bottle it. Why do I want to compete with your neighborhood barbecue <laughs> joint and sweet baby Ray? But I, I visited a um, spice factory, Old World Spices in Kansas City, uh, a couple of years ago. And they came to me and they said, you know, you're so well known that if you brought out some rubs and spices, they'd really sell well. And I'm thinking, oh. My daddy taught me, don't ever leave money on the table. <laughs> so we went about it, and we really worked hard, and we came up with three rub recipes, um, a pork, a poultry, and a red meat rub, and a barbecue sauce. And they came on the market in November, and uh, your samples are on their way. <laughs> and uh, um, right now they're only available through our website, and that's because it just takes time for things to get into grocery store, wholesale right. chain and hardware stores. They should be showing up in the hardware stores, uh, Ace and Lowe's and Home Depot uh, sometime in spring. It just takes time for that all to happen. But you can order them through our website, through AmazingRibs.com. They're pretty good. We work really hard on them. Um, they've got some really nice ingredients in them. And, uh, you know, the, the I, I'm getting a huge feedback on the poultry seasoning. People really love that. Um, and uh, the, the, um, the red meat rub, I'll tell you, all my life, I slapped the wrist of anybody who put anything but salt and pepper on a steak. <laughs> and this red meat rub, I won't, put a, I won't cook a steak without it. My wife won't let me cook a steak without it. Right. It's really awesome. Um, uh, so you, you try some, see what you think. Um, we're really proud of them. And uh, 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 they should be um, finding their way into the marketplace. But in the meantime, you can get them from AmazingRibs.com. Now, how many revisions did you have to make before you finally got ah. to each of the the rubs? Um, the, the the rubs took it. All three of the rubs took three revisions. 
Um, and uh, the, the, that was, we sent them the recipe. They sent us back a sample. We send it back with some corrections and changes. They sent it back and more corrections and changes. And it took three changes of each. The sauce took four iterations to get down pat. And there's a secret ingredient in there. And if you can guess it, <laughs> um, it's really the secret ingredient, I think, really puts it over the top. And it's a natural ingredient. It's nothing weird or anything, uh, but it's a it's a flavor that really is nice in, in, a, in a barbecue sauce. Um, we have a fourth rub coming out. A pastrami rub, ah. but it's not out yet. Uh, pastrami is having a moment, I think, on the Internet. We published our first recipe 10 years ago, and a lot of bloggers and uh, uh, websites are now it, – because it's easy to take – it's easy to go down. Hey, corned beef goes on sale in March, and it freezes well. <laughs> um, go to your grocer and load up on corned beef. Just don't buy what you need for St. Patrick's Day. Load up on corned beef while it's on sale. Throw it in your freezer. It'll freeze. It'll keep really well because it's got a preservative in it. Um, and save it for all through spring and summer. And pull that stuff out and switch, turn it into a straw. Hey, a Reuben sandwich is typically made with corned beef. You make a room with sandwich with pastrami and you'll never go back. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, the, 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 and the, the pastrami is just awesome. And maybe by then we'll have our pastrami rub on the market. Now, as, uh, as we get closer to spring and, and warmer weather, how, how often have you been getting out on the, uh, on the balcony still grilling? <laughs> yeah, I got, I have a deck out back and it, it's on the verge of collapse. There's so much iron on there. <laughs> In fact, the, the boss passed down a, a bitter dictum to me uh, not long ago. She said, uh, uh, anything comes in, something's got to go out. Otherwise, you're sleeping on the couch. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, nothing stops me. Uh, I... Uh, I was raised in central Florida and, uh, uh, but I still go out there in my shirt sleeves all through winter. And it, it, it's been cold up here. It's been down in the teens. Um, but you know, I mean, things just taste better on the grill, you know, um, that the flame and smoke just really amplify flavor. And it's a, um, it's a pheromone, you know, it's, it's great. It's great stuff. So I, nothing stops me. Well, I, I tell you, uh, we haven't talked a whole lot since uh, since our last visit, but uh, we've had some changes in life, and I I have actually come across a couple of new grilling and like smoking things that we can use to do some of that, and and I think I'm going to hit you up to give us some little tips on those in the in the months to come. So I've got so one, of those, gotta, one, of those, me, one of those. You're telling me one of those egg ones, one of those egg you know smokers. You I got one of the uh, a red egg smoker right over here that uh, my father-in-law brought with him. And so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that in a coming episode and then just some, uh, some other Absolutely. grilling ideas too. Absolutely. Let's, let's do a session coming up. I, I mean, I was coming on every month, but life got in the way the last two months. I think I had some issues that kept me from you. And then you had some issues that kept <laughs> you from me. Uh, thank goodness. Uh, we're well and we're healthy. And, uh, 
nothing life threatening, but uh, uh, we're back on the beam, you and I, and hopefully we'll be continuing to talk every month. And let's do one soon on cooking on those eggs or the Kamados, they're called. Yeah, exactly. And um, um, they're a very specialized and very, very excellent uh, cooking tool um, that has some real strengths and some real weaknesses. So we'll talk about what they do well and what they don't do well and what I love and what I hate about them. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, uh, Meathead, always uh, always want to make sure and let folks know where they can find more information about uh, the rubs, the sauces, all the recipes we talk about, and, and of course, uh, the book itself. Yeah, um, uh, the, the, the website's amazingribs.com, and the tips and the recipes for corned beef, and cabbage or, you know, what is often called New England boiled dinner or jigs is on amazingribs.com. Also, uh, there's recipe for corned beef hash and another number of corned beef uh, variations um, and uh, pastrami all on amazingribs.com. And also for a really good background education on uh, the concepts of grilling and smoking, the science of grilling and smoking, my book Meathead is a pretty good reference. It's the number one best-selling barbecue book in the market right now that's good stuff and for good reason i will i will say that as well, well thank you well uh meathead it is uh, it has been great to catch back up with you today brother uh hopefully the uh the the intermittency is behind us now yeah i missed you it's always good <laughs> you know I, I i it sounds like i'm sucking up to you but you you love food you love cooking and you always ask great questions and it's always fun to talk to you and you give me enough time to get into a subject i talked to a couple of radio folks and i got like six minutes and oh. you really can't get far <laughs> into a topic so it's i just really enjoy my time with you and we've been doing this now for several years it's fun that's good that's good well meathead uh have a great rest of your february and i uh, look forward to talking again next month brother and uh good talking to you I do want to say thanks for again for joining us for this fourth episode in season three of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Of course, if you ever have a comment, a question, or anything else you'd like to know, you can email me, Cameron at GQwithCam.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at GQwithCam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, you can visit our merch store, even available on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have a special guest idea, go ahead and email me, Cameron at GQwithCam.com. Do want to say thanks again to our good friend Brandon Allen for coming up with our theme music, and we're going to let him play us out. Hope you guys have a great rest of your evening. <laughs>